Hi everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast, kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and Fix This Next free online business assessment, enabling you to pinpoint what your business needs you to fix next. Business tips to help you level up and scale up. Simon here again from Sterling Coaching and welcome to this podcast episode of the Business Success and Coffee podcast. Today I'm joined by Lauren Weibert and I'm just trying to flick over to a few words here about her. Lauren is a thinking into results facilitator who helps people create the life and business that they want. She has been trained by master thinker Bob Proctor, and Lauren understands how to help others get the results that they want most in life. She's intensely growth and goal orientated, which I love, and helps individuals, groups and companies discover their deepest desires, reach their potential and achieve their personal and professional goals. Lauren lives in Nashville with her four rescue dogs, and we're going to ask some questions about the dogs a little bit later, and has worked in and around almost every type of business thanks to her background as a worksite insurance agent and sales team lead. Her passion for helping others is rooted in her lifelong love for learning and teaching. And I love this, uh, Lauren. Your, your motto is, if that dummy can do it, so can I. So thanks for being on this podcast and it's great pleasure to have you here. And for the listeners who can't see the video that I can see, she's got an amazing decorated Christmas tree just there in the corner. Uh, so uh, well done on the Christmas tree as well. I wish I'd got a Christmas tree behind me rather than the bookcase. You, you're setting well, the standard I'm, now for future ones. I'm so happy to see you and to be here with you today, Simon. Thank you for having me. Appreciate and the time. Obviously, as we record this, it's in the morning for you, it's in the afternoon here. We've had our first snowfall here in the UK today. Well, uh, which we is, beat you to it. We beat you to it here in Nashville, which is unusual. But yes, just a just a tiny little we can't really call it a snowfall. It was it was a beautiful no. flurries all day though. It looked like a snow globe. Yeah, you see, I, that's what I was going to ask because I'm not sure what the weather's like in Nashville. So, uh, is that that is unusual for you? Is it? I mean, it's a little unusual for us this early, but not too unusual. Is it quite yeah, unusual for you to have snow? It, I think this early, and um, my Iowa friends. So, I lived in Iowa, uh, Davenport, Iowa, in the states mm -hmm. for the previous ten years before I was here, and they said, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe that you've gotten more snow than we have this year." Really? Because in the Midwest, in the northern Midwest, they get a lot of snow. So yes, yeah, yeah. Nashville, Tennessee gets some snow, but not uh, not this early, and certainly not more than Iowa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, much. I'd never really heard the word Iowa quite so much, and uh, and uh, along with Idaho is the other one. And I, I took part in a few Facebook challenges during the summer, and yeah, both. Both of those have come up many, many times in presentations. Russell Brunson, I think, is from Idaho. So that's been mentioned several times. Okay. So, yeah, it's uh, I'm hearing lots of new place names that uh, perhaps I know where they are, but I'd never really 
listen to many people from. But you're the second person on this podcast, as I was saying, you're on from, from Nashville. So it's, it's good to hear the weather from Nashville as well this time. The world is getting to be a much smaller place now. So isn't it just, kind of cool. isn't it just, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you were saying before we, we hit the record button on this about your friend that was Irish, Australian, in Australia yeah. before lockdown and now moved back to Dublin. So it, yeah, it just goes to show, doesn't it? How that global world is just getting smaller and smaller. Exactly. And I love it. That's been the plan. So before I go on to the, the coffee questions, uh, and I'm going to just, because it's just fascinating me sat there in the video screen, describe your Christmas tree to the listeners and tell us how long the Christmas tree has been up. Because I was listening to the radio on the way home earlier, and it does seem to be a theme, certainly here in the UK, that people are putting up their decorations so much earlier. So, you know, having spent so much time at Christmas in Canada, uh, you know, I've we have lots and lots of Christmas decorations up, icicles and all sorts. But tell us a little bit about the tree and how long it's been up. Well, thanks for asking. It's a it's a conversation piece for sure. Um, I put it up only once every three or four years because it's just me. I'm the only human that lives here. And then, of course, the four rescue dogs. Um, okay. But it is, I'm 39. So this is 39 Christmases collected of ornaments on it. It's a, yep. it's a nine foot tree. It, it just wow. is grazing, grazing the ceiling in my living room. Um, yeah. It has the white lights that just stay still. And um, it's so comforting to look at. And every time I do put it up, it's, it's a lot of work, but um, it reminds me of Christmases from when I was a kid. You know, mom was yeah. so particular about the tree and which ornaments got hung where, you know, the long dangly ones have to go on the outside lid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bulbs go on the inside and the small ornaments go at the top. And, you know, it, it's those memories and it's, it's being able to look through all of the ornaments. I don't remember where each of them came from, but there are several that I know where they came from, whether it was yeah. a parent that gave them a grandparent, an aunt. Um, I had lots of crafty people in my family. And then a tradition of my own. And when I became an adult and I started traveling, I would rather than buy some t-shirt or a, a different type of souvenir that would just sit out all year. I thought, why don't I try to reduce the clutter <laughs> and just yeah. get a Christmas ornament. And then it's special because you unpack all of the ornaments and you get to relive all of these memories of the places you've been and people who loved you. And it's a, it's a really great thing to do once every few idea. years. Yeah. Yeah. So forget the fridge magnets. Right. Get the Christmas <laughs> ornaments instead. Yeah, absolutely. That would be so much better. Great. And it's interesting there. You said about decorating the tree because yeah, I am. My wife, Angela, she always she wants to get the tree up really early, all the decorations. And she asked me this year for some help putting the tree together. We have an artificial tree and we put the, I put the tree together. And she said, oh, you're going to help me put the decorations on. I said, no, I'm going out of the room and I will go and I'll get myself um, a glass of, of bourbon. I got, I've got a nice bottle of John Woodford um, bourbon okay. at the moment that I'm drinking. And I just went and sat in the other room because like your mom, I get so paranoid about small ornaments at the top, yes. where they have to be. You've got a gap there. My wife, it takes her 10 minutes and she throw, just throws them all on. 
and it oh, no. always looks it it always looks great when it's done uh, and i'm going to be putting a photo out later on today perhaps on uh, on facebook i'll be looking it always looks amazing always looks amazing but just the process of just throwing ornaments on and not worrying about where they go oh it just it makes just, my heart palpitate oh yeah i can understand that and and yep. so yes being able to do it my way the years that i put it up i'm i'm not kidding you there's probably well over a thousand ornaments on this tree and it is also i can, artificial. I can see a proportion of those just in the background there yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah I, it's been a it's been a quite a few years since i've had a, a real christmas tree i just don't want to go through the hassle of messing with the oh. lights and all that stuff so Put this out, plug it in, hope it still works from the previous year. And <laughs> <laughs> Great. And, and well, it, it looks a good tree. It goes a good tree. Well done. Thank you. And we'll get into the topic of coffee. And I'm trying to catch up here a little bit. I've got my Christmas mug. And for the listeners, it's a, uh, it's a very small mug uh, with some robins on it. And inside it says family Christmas. And it's a family of robins on the outside of the mug there. Very uh, cute. So, yeah, so tell us about the coffee, Lauren, that you're drinking and, and perhaps your mug you're drinking it in as well. We seem to have a theme in this podcast of talking about mugs as well as coffee. So tell us well, about the coffee and then about the mug. I, I almost went with the Christmas mug too. I, I almost picked my Grinch mug. I love the Grinch. Ooh, okay. I have always loved the Grinch, but I really love him now because I'm a sucker for a good transformation story. And that's exactly <laughs> what he did. It is, yeah. But today I have a mug that was given to me by my dad. I like it because it's oversized. So I can just Huge. coffee once and be done with it. And I like a yeah. lot of cream in my, like an, an inordinate amount of cream or other. Right. I put um, cocoa flavored almond milk in it this morning as well. So it's about half oh. coffee and then half that other stuff. Um, and the mug is... I think he bought it because it reminded him of, um, I don't want to dump it over, but it was a uh, handmade in Poland. So my mother's family is Polish, but oh. my dad, when they were married, he loved my Polish grandfather. So he saw it, <clears throat> picked that it up. Works. Yeah. Because it reminded him of, of those dishes that they had. Yeah. Yeah. I see, and, that, and that's the thing with these podcasts. I'm finding more and more we're getting such interesting stories about the mugs. Some of the stories are interesting about coffee. The guy yesterday with the Santa outfit I mentioned to you earlier, you know, he, he talked about tea and his daughter had been to Morocco and he talked about the story behind the tea. And that's a fantastic story about the mug. Oh, there. Yeah. And that is huge. I, I thought you were just holding it close to the camera. And I realized as you pulled it away, yeah. it is it's, a huge It's pretty mug. big. It <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm very then I don't have to get up from my podcast to refill my coffee. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you mentioned there uh, chocolate or cocoa almond milk. Yeah, I'm not. I I haven't ventured into the world of drinking just black coffee yet because I know you have to have. I don't know. For me, I would pick a really nice tasting black coffee every yeah. now and then if I'm at some gourmet place. I, I will have a black coffee because they use such high quality beans, but yeah. this is just a bag from the grocery store, Trader Joe's. I use the little pour over coffee um, yeah. method, um, you know, warm up my water and, and make it that way. So okay. I like to, I like to have the coffee drink for a while, you know, just be able to enjoy the, the flavor 
but not be drinking yeah. that much coffee. Because if I have way too much coffee, then I'm all kind yeah, of yeah. wired. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I've been drinking too much coffee already this morning. I've had uh, way too much coffee this morning, so it's going to take me about two hours to come down from uh, this and this podcast as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, is, there any, is there any particular flavour or favourite coffee that you have? You know, you've mentioned uh, the, the cocoa almond milk. You know, is there, is there any particular way, favourite way that you like to take your, your coffee, Lauren? Well, I like the just the plain coffee most of the time, and then I pick different creams to go in it. And it's funny you mentioned that. I don't know why, but I cannot find Irish cream anywhere. Um, they, that used to be a popular flavor. They would give you the choice yeah. between like French vanilla, hazelnut, and then Irish cream. And I cannot find any Irish creamer to go in here uh, for the life of me. So I don't know, maybe it's just not popular in the States anymore. They have all the other pumpkin no, spies and caramel yeah. and all that yeah i think you're right and yeah now you say it i can't remember the last time i went into a store and saw it but you know we used to get them here in the uk in little uh pods that you used to peel back yes uh, that were one dose creamers yeah i haven't seen I, I haven't seen those for years i know and i'm, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking that, tomorrow i'm gonna go, go out and hunt them down yes yes yeah. that's our new let me know where you find it maybe they yeah. have it here <laughs> yeah well, Angela, my wife, she she loves uh, Bailey's, Irish Bailey's cream, and she won't drink any other kind of um, alternative, and she loves that in her coffee. So it might not be the Irish creamer, but she loves putting Bailey's in her coffee as that's well. So that's a good too. good alternative, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've mentioned how you take your coffee, so that's great that we've covered that off as well. Tell us a little bit about the rescue dogs. You referred to the unique way you described yourself as the only human in the house right. so, so Except for when my i've never heard it quite described me. as that yeah. yeah so i i do have a wonderful boyfriend and and he works a lot and he has his own home um but he comes to visit sometimes but for me i'm i'm the little brown haired girl and for a while i had two great big white fluffy great pyrenees um so i was oh, the little brown haired girl with two big white dogs um, they have yeah. since passed. And when they passed on, I started into the rescue world. Um, unfortunately, at least in the Southern United States, and, and I know in a lot of countries, animals are not always treated as well as they should be. Mm, and, unfortunately not. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer that the way that we treat our Critters and people who are voiceless is a direct reflection of, you know, who we are as people. And it's, it's proven studies and all of that, that when, when people are unkind to animals, it is just that, that it shortens the step for them to be unkind to um, other humans. So, yeah, um, oh my goodness, rescue's just been important to me. Um, I started when, when my first big white fluffy great Pyrenees died, I, I adopted right away. I adopted Shane. So he's mine. And then when we moved to our home now out of my little apartment that I was in, I thought, well, no one can tell me what to do now. So let's go yeah. ahead and, and start with the fostering. And people always say, oh my gosh, I could never foster. How can you love a dog and then give it away? I would have 15 dogs by now if I were you. And yeah. you know, that's, 
it's very tempting, but what's the alternative? You know, a lot of these dogs, if, if I don't foster, if other people like me don't foster these dogs, they'll end up dying in shelters or, you know, worse. There's a lot of worse situations that I won't mention, but yeah. you know, your imagination or do your research. And so it's, it's happiness for me. You know, I'm a, I'm a person that hasn't had children and I, I'm a woman and I have a lot of mothering and loving skills and I'm finding if I don't have an opportunity to give away love to someone or something else, furry or not, then, you know, I'm missing out on a big part of life. So it's my little way of giving back to the world. I think in the world where we can be easily overwhelmed by, oh my goodness, there's so many problems and what can little old me do? Well, for, for a dog, you know, who may stay with you a week or six weeks or six months or um, one of mine I've had for two and a half years now because she's not medically adoptable yet. Um, okay. I'm making all the difference in that one creature's world. Yeah. So that's good yeah. enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's great. And, and there's so many similarities there. And we, we will have a chat after this uh, about each other. But yeah, and we, we've got no children either. And dogs were all and still are our family. And, yes. you know, other animals as well. So we've got rescue sheep, we've got rescue horses. You know, we're very privileged right. that we can do that. But That's great. for me, you, you're absolutely right about the way that people treat animals and treat dogs. And, you know, we live out in the countryside and we see a lot of variance in how people treat their animals. And yeah. when you see them in a social environment, perhaps at the... You know, when they're out for a drink or when they're with friends and you perhaps you see the alcohol getting a little bit um, influencing their behavior, you see that that trait, that behavior go from what potentially is a nice person in the bar turning to the person that you then see that treats the animals in that way that they do. Absolutely. And uh, there's a lot of similarity there. And some of the listeners might agree with that. Some of them don't. Um, this is just our opinion. But um yeah Pyrenees, in but yeah you know, i love them and, you know, we've we've always had bernie's mountain dogs okay and, so a close yeah, relation and, to the great pyrenees yeah. yeah and newfoundlands as well so we've had yes. uh, we had three bernie's mountain dogs and a newfoundland at, at one point and yeah uh, we're not particularly large in stature ourselves so you'd often see us being dragged around the village pulled by <laughs> these four dogs Oh yeah, I can picture it. They're just different yeah. colors than mine, but the same size. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but it's it's also, I think, the fact that when I come in, no matter where I've been, no matter what kind of call, if I've been on a client session and they've just put all of their woes on top of me and I'm feeling a little bit burdened by their anxieties and their stresses. And for me, the dog is a great way of just taking all that away just by looking at me with those eyes yes wagging that tail the backside going from side to side because it's so energetic and all of that just disappears and dissolves and I don't have to carry it around because the dog takes it teach us so much you know I mean how perfect is a dog they they give unconditional love like that is their purpose on this planet and that's yeah yeah something to emulate definitely Yep. Well, it's it's good to meet another soul who uh, believes in rescuing dogs. And I think probably two of our three at the moment are rescue dogs. That's amazing. Uh, Thank you for doing that. 
And yeah, I, one, isn't... one of these days when I can get a little spot in the countryside like you, I think I'll branch out to other <laughs> other kinds of yeah. critters. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And the fostering side of it is, is I think some of the listeners might be ones that like us have looked at they've gone to a rescue center you know they've looked at a permanent home for a dog and perhaps they've been offered fostering and we certainly have had that and we said exactly what you said earlier on oh no we could never foster we just end up keeping them and we'd have more dogs than we've got space Uh, and I think there is some truth in that because when an animal comes here it never goes anywhere else no matter what it comes with whatever its conditions are this is where it stays and it lives out the rest of its happy life with us um and yeah fostering is such a hard thing to do and yeah i, I admire you for that and uh, yeah i'm going to rethink that now you've said that there so uh, you know oh, you might have you. changed a bit of an attitude there don't, don't worry so, i mean it's hard to give them up i cry every time but yes i bet i bet to get Definitely. to get to see them in their new home helping that other person have a beautiful life that's very rewarding so yeah i bet i bet Moving on to the to the business side of things, and obviously I gave a little bit of an introduction into the into the bio there. Um, before I asked it, the, the question of what's been the most significant thing that you've sort of fixed or worked on in your business, just give us a little bit more of a background, a little bit of a story. I feel there's a story behind what you do. Uh, so give us a little bit of a backstory and uh, just, yeah, just tell us a little bit more about you. Sure. Well, it, it ties in, you know, I mean, the reason that I got into coaching was because I knew that I needed it. I knew that, you know, I, I could see patterns in my life and I could see that I was the common denominator. It was that feeling Mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm a smart girl. I've had a lot of success in certain areas, but I keep getting results that I don't want in these other areas. And I had used other coaches before. I'd had a number of different coaches for different areas, you know, a health coach, a business coach, a life coach, a relationship coach, a financial coach. You know, I love. Wow. That's a lot of coaches. Yes. Well, I've, I've, I've trusted a, a whole host of people to help. And some of them have been extremely helpful. And some of them, unfortunately, have not but you learn something from everyone. Um, but it's, it's that concept of the problem in life is it's always me, right? It's me, it's me, it's me, it's always me. And when I finally figured that out, I remember the specific moment, it was 2017 and I hung up the phone after just ending a relationship. And I thought, why did I do that? (laughs) That's not what I want. Why do I keep getting the results that I don't want? And from there, I I basically took a little existential crisis and started focusing on myself and myself only for the next full year, um, recovering from a lot of overworking that I was doing when I was in the insurance industry. That's where that quote comes from, by the way. If that dummy can do it, then so can I. Um, (laughs) Okay, I heard that on my very first day with with the insurance company. You know, you just... You just pick another person in life and you make them your dummy. Like if that, if that dummy can have whatever it is that you're wanting to go after, then I can do it too. And so anyway, it just, there was a very convoluted way that I got into coaching. Um, but it was from the, the standpoint of, 
this is so important. There have to be, there has to be so many other people out there who may be feeling like I felt, and I don't want them to necessarily have to search through the far corners of the internet and scour, you know, shelves and shelves of self-help books and YouTube videos and classes. Yeah. You know, is there a place where somebody can go and devote six months or so of their life to going on a transformational journey and really diving into the study of themselves so that they can shorten that time frame between feeling yeah, yeah. stuck and feeling like the lights are turned on and they have that new level of success. That's, that's wow. why I got into this. And that's, you know, it, it's to help other people with that same feeling that I had, which was, I feel stuck and I want to get unstuck. Yeah. I need someone's help. Perfect. Perfect. So, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been in, in the coaching game? Uh, just over two years now, just over two years. Okay. So I remember I hired my first coach in 2015 and I thought to myself, I would like to do this someday, you know, but I thought, right. oh, this is a retirement thing or I'll have to get more experience. It's always coming from that. Yeah. I'm not good enough standpoint. And, um, yeah. And that's, that's the furthest thing from the truth for most of us. Yeah, definitely. And my, my background is very similar. I, I was in construction and I always had a coaching. I had a business for 20 years and always had a coaching. I wanted to uh, take retirement, semi-retire at the age of 50 and become a coach consultant. And that was my work-life balance. And I wanted to help people for the rest of my life, which was great. And that's what I do now every single day and love it. But the recession uh, came along in 2009, 2008, yeah. and construction didn't do well. And all my friends' businesses were failing, and I decided to to shut the business down, sell sell it off, um, exit some of the other businesses I had at the time, and yeah, and did it at the age of 40. So I beat it by 10 years, and I oh, was so wow. happy that I managed to do that because if I'd have, like you said, if I'd have thought this is going to be something I retire into – at 50, I'd have missed 10 years of helping people. Yes. And I think for a lot of the listeners who are on here, that, that, that is something that we definitely should take away. If you feel you've got that need to, to move into coaching or consulting, then don't hesitate, do it, because it's certainly a privilege to be able to help and serve people, isn't it? I absolutely agree with that. So, so in those couple of years, what's been the either the latest or most significant thing that you have worked on or fixed in your business, or perhaps it's something that you've helped other people fix? Sure. I mean, for the most part, we are looking at habits. So, mm. and, and you know from being a coach, Simon, you, we get to learn alongside and continue to grow and develop and change and, you know, perfect bring out more of that perfection that's inside of us. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but for, for my clients, we're looking at habits and I think there's a big thing that school misses. School is very good at teaching us to gather information, you know, um, yeah. learn a lot about many, many different subjects. And that's not saying that gathering information is not important. That's very important, but mm. what, what school misses and I know this because I used to be an elementary school teacher a long time ago, yep. <laughs> but, and I went through all the public education and then private education for college, but 
no one teaches us how to study ourselves. And so looking at ourselves, getting in the, in the, in the habit of looking at what are my behaviors doing and what results are those behaviors producing and then realizing, okay, it's not just about changing behaviors. Um, If I want results that stick, that are lasting, impactful, meaningful, big results that I'm really going after, I've got to be committed to looking at what the thought process is behind that behavior and what emotions are causing the behaviors. So that's really what we focus on. Okay. And do you find then, Lauren, that it's a process of getting rid of some habits and perhaps pursuing and cementing different habits or even habits that we might have that we just need to make the most of because some habits actually are quite good but some habits can be quite destructive yes what kind of examples do you see of a difference and how how could we recognize those differences in the habits which ones help us and which ones harm us that's such a great question for us it's about going after our goals right so the very first lesson that, that we cover in, in our Thinking Into Results program is going after what's called a C-type goal. A C-type goal is like a fantasy type of goal. Most people, when they set goals, right. they're either setting A or B-type goals. An A-type goal is something we know how to do already. A B-type goal might be something that we think we can do and we can plot it and plan it out. But a C-type goal is something that was generated by our imagination, something that we really, really want, but we have no idea how we're going to go get it. So when we hold up that measuring stick of I'm going after my C-type goal, I'm going to make this fantasy happen in my life. If we always hold it up to to the goal and then we look at those habits, we have to ask ourselves, just like you said, is this habit moving me forward toward my goal? Is it holding me stuck? Or worse, is it pushing me back from my goal? And, and you make a good point. No goals are inherently good or bad. That's just the meaning that we assign to them. But if we can look at all of those habits and realize, wow, upwards of 95% of what we do all day, every day is controlled by habits. Um, which habits are serving me, which habits are holding me back. And sometimes the habit isn't even necessarily like a thing that we do. When people think of habits, they think of biting their nails or maybe smoking Mm -hmm. or some other quote unquote bad habit. Right. But one of my clients said to me yesterday, he's like, well, you know, all of this is unconscious stuff that I'm doing. And I said, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But are those unconscious activities that you're doing throughout the day? His example was he has a hard time leaving any building or place. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I'll run out the back door and I forgot that I parked in the front. Or maybe I ran out the right door, but I forgot where I was going next. And so I need to come back and get this and this and this and this to take with me to prepare for my next meeting. And I said, well, that's a habit. He said, what? It's unconscious. I said, right. (laughs) It's a habit to look at. Is that helping you be more productive or is it holding you back? Yeah. And, you know, listeners, as as I was listening to Lauren say that, it's intriguing that, 
yeah, I've recognized an unconscious habit that I have. So, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious. Um, and I don't mean this in a body conscious way, but it, in my weight, uh, I had a hip replaced a couple of years ago and I'm very aware that I need to keep myself active and fit. Having a hip replaced at 50 was a little bit of a shock. So I've oh, got to make okay. sure I look after myself and, yeah, one of the things I struggle with sometimes when I'm doing my weight is, you know, how I deal with meals. So I hate to see people waste food. Sure, and me too. As you were talk, as you were talking, then I've realised that an unconscious habit I have is that if Angela leaves anything on a plate, I clear it off, because I was always taught to clear my plate yes. when I was young. Yeah. And I hate to see other people not doing the same. So I will always clear my plate. Right. But if somebody else, I don't think, oh, well, let's put that in a cupboard and save that for later. I'll clear it there and then. So yeah. actually, that is an unconscious habit that is holding me back sometimes from, you know, managing my weight as I want to um, right. in that way. So, yeah, that's that's a really insightful thing you've shared with us there. So thank you for well, that. Think of when that habit was programmed into you when you were a little boy. Mm. You probably learned that habit before you were three years old and you just haven't really yep. given it much conscious thought because that's a point habits don't require conscious thought but if we can put ourselves into that conscious awareness moment in life and and look at each habit then we get to decide which ones are worthy of changing to move me toward my goal yeah and you gave us three different options with the habits there as well you gave us the the fact that a habit can be helping us drive towards our goals right uh, it can be pushing us away from our goals both of which probably we recognize but what we the one you mentioned in the middle there is the one that keeps us stuck isn't it and that's probably the most dangerous one isn't it because that's the one that holds us it's paralyzed yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's harder to identify those because it's a, it's almost like a comfort thing you know so yeah. having a coach <laughs> is is so helpful because i always tell people you probably do too it's so hard to see your own picture when you're inside the frame definitely definitely and having someone that you trust that can look at that picture for you and go did you notice this habit did you notice this thing yep. over here and then you get to decide as the client oh, okay got it awareness now what should i do about it correct yeah and i think as coaches i always uh, you know when i've got the group uh, of coaches I work with, I always say there's three things that are important, awareness, education, and accountability. And oh, yeah. it, st it starts with that awareness every time, doesn't it? You know, we can hold people accountable, but we can only hold them accountable to what we are aware of and what they are aware of themselves. Right. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So thinking about that, that habit realization, uh, how is it for people? You know, how was it for you after you know, the story that you shared, how is it after that realization that that habit is having that effect on them? What, what happens next? You know, is, is it something that is a light bulb moment? You know, how does it move on from there? I think it's different for different people. I mean, I've seen the entire range of emotions that come through once you realize, oh, this is something I need to work on. Everything yeah. from excitement on the high end of the emotional scale, like, okay, I know what I need to do. I know how I can move forward. I know what exactly what I need to fix all the way down to like sadness or anger. You know, I, I felt like that myself when I realized that a certain 
set of habits or beliefs, because remember, sometimes habits are not just the things we do. They're the thoughts that we think over and over and over again about ourselves. Absolutely. And when, when I realized that I had certain habits that had really robbed me of my time, I was angry and I was upset. And I remember crying, you know, I was on the phone with my coach at the time and I thought, you know, I've wasted so much time. I think the important thing to do to answer your question is let those, let yourself feel that whatever it is, you know, it's not just about positive thinking. I think a lot of people get that mixed up. Like, oh, if I just think positively all the time, I'll get the results that I want. Positive thinking definitely helps. But I also make sure to tell my clients, don't stuff down your emotions. Let yourself feel those. That's part of being human. That's part of the human experience. You know, look at what's going on. Let yourself feel those emotions. If they're negative, though, don't stay there. You know, don't, don't stay in that stuck, angry, frustrated, depressed space. Go ahead and feel it. And then figure out, okay, when I know what I don't want, this is great news because now it makes it that much easier to know what I do want. And then you can start going after that. Yeah. And I know I've, you know, I've been on a couple of Tony Robbins, UPWs and a couple of his programs during the summer. And, you know, his favorite saying is that we can change it in an instant, isn't it? And when you get into that bad emotional state, you know, you, you shouldn't stay there. You should change it in an instant straight away. And you can, can't you? So, uh, um, so thinking about the, uh, obviously the, the your intensely passionate attitude toward goals and setting goals. Is there anything that you can share with the listeners uh, about the match between goal setting and habits? Is there any way that habits can help us set goals or vice versa? How, how can we work better on our goals and our actions? Well, I mentioned that C-type goal. And Mm. it really, really needs to come from a fantasy standpoint. Um, People are so much more gifted and talented than they give themselves credit for. And so if you can get yourself to a place where... I don't, I tell people to write a shopping list and I tell people to do it after they've taken a walk, relaxed. You know, we get so caught up with how am I going to make these things happen that we're totally disqualifying the beauty in that process. Mm. So, um, I tell people get in an imaginative state, whether you meditate or you go for a walk in the woods or you you know, whatever it is that you do to relax, get yourself in that relaxed, imaginative state and think to yourself, okay, if I woke up and it was the perfect day in my perfect life and everything was exactly as I wanted it, what would some of those things be that I would be experiencing or that I would be doing or the things that I would have in my life, the people I would have in my life? And just start jotting down a shopping list of all the things that would make that perfection possible, then you're going to hear that little voice that sneaks up on you that says, who are you thinking you can make that happen? Or Mm. where are you ever going to find the time or the money to do something like that? 
um, it, that's, that's that set of habits. I call it the paradigm. The paradigm is going to sneak in and tell you you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not special enough or talented or rich or short or tall or old or young enough to make those things happen. Just tell that thing to shh for a minute and just keep going mm. on your list of what is the perfect life for me look like. When you have made sure to dismiss that paradigm that's sneaking up on you and you have that shopping list written out, go back to it and figure out, okay, which one resonates the most with me? Which one is the thing I feel like I need to make happen right now? What's the most important thing for me to do next? Um, and circle that. Sometimes it takes people a long time to C get there. Circle the, the item on the list. Circle the item circle on the, the list. Circle the item on the list. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. that, that yeah. you feel like you really need to make happen. Or because yeah. people really struggle with the, the how, remember, the how that it's going to happen is none of our business. The joy is in finding that out, right? Um, mm. But I, I, I sometimes have to flip it for people. And I... I get them to think about it in the negative way. Like if you died a year from today, what would be, what would you regret that you didn't make happen? Um, ah, interesting. The, the richest place in the world is the cemetery because people have yep. these dreams locked up inside of them and they never make them happen. So if you can get your shopping list planned out and think to yourself, if, if it's my turn to go and I don't make this thing happen, I will be very upset with myself. I would say go after that thing first. It's got to be what you really, really want. Not what you think you can have. Not what you are pretty sure you could make happen. It just has to come from fantasy. That, in my mind, is what a true goal is all about. Fabulous. And... I was going to ask the, the question here before we get to the last question. Of, you know, if you could give people one tip or one lesson, but I think listeners, you've had it right there. It's making sure you really identify with that. See that fancy. I love that fancy version of the goal and the, the comparison of people in the graveyard. I think for you listeners, that's something really important and it's difficult sometimes that we look at that negative effect, but you know, it's, so many times, yeah, I, I call it the rocking chair moment. And how many people sit there in their rocking chair and say, if only I'd have done that when I was young enough or when I was healthy enough, you know, or when I could. Yeah, we don't want those moments, do we? Yeah, we don't want to be that person shutting that box with those dreams. We don't want the person to be on the rocking chair to be us. Right. So, uh, and thanks for sharing that. Just one final, very short question. You've mentioned there uh, that the paradigm of what comes from within that challenges us but very often that can be somebody quite close to us that perhaps we share that fancy goal with doesn't it and that person actually tells us who do you think you are right and sometimes it's because they actually don't think we can do it and sometimes it's because they don't want us moving on as as, as we know uh, how can people perhaps deal with that what would be a tip that you could give of how people can either deal with their internal paradigm or even their external paradigm oh that's such a great question um and i've dealt with it in a few different ways 
first tip would be hire a coach <laughs> because it's the coach. <laughs> oh, we both say that, wouldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> right. It, even yeah. if your your best friend or your spouse or the person you trust most in life is going to be the one who's downplaying that dream of yours, that that C type goal, that's okay. Yeah. Allow them to do that, but um, you know who's to say that you have to even share that with them. What they're doing is trying to keep you safe or like you said, hold you in that place that they're comfortable with, but yeah, they don't have any bearing over your life unless you let them. So yeah. the easy thing to do is hire a coach because that coach is going to know and appreciate and love that goal with you and help you get yeah. there. The other tangible thing to do is, is just be very careful who you share those C-type goals with. It is scary um, to open up to other people. And especially when you're expecting that support um, and they come back with, oh, you could never do that. You know, um, if it's a really big thing in your heart that you want to make happen, maybe it's better just to be very careful who you share that with um, so that, you know, you start going after it. And once you can get some steam built up and you start seeing progress toward that amazing thing that you're bringing into your 3d world, then you have that belief in it. And then it's not going to matter so much what the naysayers have to say. And for me, there is another great golden nugget listeners, you know, really take a moment, pause and consider who you're going to share that that fantasy goal with yeah i think that's absolutely crucial and it is we we, when we get that kind of excitement as i felt as you were talking about it behind that that seagull we just want to go out and tell everybody that we want to share it with the world because it's so passionate for us but you're absolutely right you know that's a great tip of just taking some time pausing and thinking about who you're going to share it with and when you're going to share i think it might not be a i'm not going to share it with him or her now it might just be you're going to share it later. Right. Well, yeah, and so think great. of it. Are you sharing it because you are truly excited or are you sharing it because you're looking for approval from certain people? Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a so, question for a whole other podcast. Yes, yes. But <laughs> yes. Well, I've loved talking with you. Thank you so much. Simon. Yes. I've got one final question to, to ask you then as we finish this off. When is your next coffee going to be? And if you're able to, where? I was thinking about that. And my best guess is my friend of mine is coming over to enjoy the Christmas tree and the decorations. She is a recent Nashville transplant too. So she's taken up most of her time with just moving and getting unpacked and and working a lot. So she's going to come over tomorrow night and we'll have dinner and um, just enjoy a cozy night here at the house being girls. So I imagine we'll have some coffee tomorrow night together. Sounds fantastic. And I'm very jealous. We can't do that over here in the UK at the moment, even though we've just come out of national lockdown, we still can't mix with other households in, in our tears okay. at the moment. So uh, yeah, I'm very jealous and uh, make the most of it. Certainly that's something well, to treasure. I won't be, I won't be hugging or, or breathing too close. I promise <laughs> that. But. No, no, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. And listeners, I, I tell you, you, you're not seeing this, but I'm sure you can hear the smile that Lauren has on her face throughout the whole of this podcast. Yeah, all I've seen, listeners, on the screen in front of me is 
not only a fabulous Christmas tree in the background there, but a smiling face that shows passion, enthusiasm, and such energy for what we've we've talked about. And you know that has lit my day up. It's it's dark outside where I am at the moment, and I tell you, the light is certainly shining here. So thank you, Lon, for for being such a bright light today in today's podcast and for, for sharing such great tips with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. That's a wonderful compliment, Simon. Thank you again for having me. I have loved every minute. And listeners, as, as I always say, you know, this is part of my mission to help people around the globe become more aware and better educated and, of course, talk about some coffee too. And there are some real key things here that you need to take away and you need to do some action on. You know, take some action on your habits, take some action on your sea goals and you know, search out, you know, go on to LinkedIn, uh, you know, find Lauren, Lauren Wybert. I'll get you to give us a link in a moment, Lauren, but uh, get in touch with Lauren, find out more about her, digest the content that she's got and more importantly, take some action with what you've heard today. That's really important. So Lauren, just before we jump off and uh, I'm remiss of doing this, where do people find you? Where, how can listeners connect with you? Sure. Um, you got to spell my name right. So it's L-A-U-R-E-N-W-E-I-B-E-R-T. And you can find me at laurenweibert.com. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And you're welcome to send me an email at lauren at laurenweibert.com. And listeners, when you get an email back from Lauren, you'll get a very interesting I've never seen one before and I had to click it was a video business card, which then takes you through to a video where you can learn more about it. So if you do that connection just to get that email back from Lauren uh, with that uh, email business card, that's great as well. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the podcast listeners and I really look forward to having you on the next business success and coffee podcast. Bye for now.